Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 tonight, and I want to... um... I'm going to talk with you tonight about something really uh, kind of out of the ordinary for us because normally we'll do a, um, it's called expository preaching where we just go all the way through verse by verse through scripture, try to do that a lot. But here on Thursdays uh, for the next few, uh, few months, we're going to be doing some different things. Next week, we're going to be dividing back up into our small groups of men and ladies and uh, continuing our study of 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. The men will be continuing it. The ladies are actually going to be starting it and a great series that I think will be a help to us. And then uh, following that, we've got a couple other little things, some stewardship sessions we're going to do, VBS. And then we're going to get in about six weeks in the month of August and uh, September. We're just going to do a study on core doctrine. What is doctrine that we should believe? What should we believe about salvation? What should we believe uh, about the church? What should we believe about creation? Different things like that that we're going to talk through. So kind of more of some topical things on uh, Thursday nights. And we're going to start tonight uh, by looking at the topic of becoming a funnel, becoming a funnel, not a funnel cake that some of you are thinking about, uh, but becoming a funnel. I've said this often at church, and uh, it's something that I will continue to repeat as long as, uh, as, long as God allows me to. But I think everything, every single one of us needs to have a mindset that says, I want to live out funnel Christianity rather than sponge Christianity. And I say that at church often, but funnel Christianity rather than sponge Christianity. If you think about the difference, uh, of course, what we mean by this is that our Christianity, our relationship with God, it should be something that flows through us and impacts the lives of other people rather than us just becoming a believer who soaks everything up and never really pours into others. If I had the visual illustration up here of a sponge on one side and a funnel on the other, and I, let's say I had the sponge in my hand and I began to pour water in the sponge, pretty soon the sponge would leak a little bit, right? A little bit of water is going to go through. And the fact of the matter is that if you're a Christian, the truth is that no matter, um, no matter what of God is poured into you, it's going, to, it's going to come out somehow. Just like a sponge, it's going to come out somehow. But if I were to have a funnel up here and pour water through, that funnel, the water would just be going straight through it into something else. And the thought I want to give to us tonight is the fact that just like a sponge, every now and then, some Christians live, live their Christian life as a sponge, and every now and then something goes through them to somebody else, but it's never intentional. It's not based upon a love for the Lord. It's not based upon trying to truly impact others. It's just kind of something that happens because you have God in you. But tonight, I want to talk with us about the idea of having uh, the, the word, I, I hate it's overused a lot, but it's a, it's a great word to describe it having intentionality in our Christian life to invest in other people. And it's a familiar passage where we're going to be tonight. And so 2 Timothy chapter 2, and just one verse, but let's stand together. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, just a one verse, a very familiar verse. And that's 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2, where Paul writes this, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou or deliver, deliver thou, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Of course, uh, if you've been at our church for any length of time, I've preached on this verse many times, taught on it many times. We know the context. Paul, he's writing to Timothy, a young man that had trusted Christ, uh, perhaps through the ministry of Paul, but we know for sure that Timothy was discipled by Paul that Paul brought him along on on missionary journeys. Paul was uh, one to truly influence Timothy. And now he writes to him this letter. And really, 2 Timothy, probably the last recorded letter that we have that Paul ever wrote. And in it's some great doctrinal truth. But in there is this challenge. Timothy, what you've been given, it's not just for you. Timothy, what you've been given isn't just to impact you. It should flow through you to other people. And so tonight I want to talk with us about that topic of uh, living out funnel Christianity rather than sponge Christianity. So let's pray, and then we'll get in the Word of God tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute and, and ask God to speak to you tonight. You can pray something simple. God, please speak into my heart tonight. And then maybe make the commitment, God, if, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you tonight. Dear Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. I, again, I thank you for allowing us to be here, and I pray that you would speak to us. I pray, God, that the words that I speak tonight would not be my words. Lord, I just humble my mind and my heart, my actions to you, my, my mouth. Father, I pray that everything would be from you and from your spirit and would cause us to not only see the need to invest in people, uh, but to take action in it. And God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we go through the message tonight, I really want to get some response um, from some things, kind of like we would do in small groups. We're discussion-based, uh, but really just want to give, uh, get a few thoughts from you tonight. But I want you to take your Bible real quick and just turn over to Romans chapter 1. I don't have any verses on the screen or any of the, of the points. Just really want to kind of do a little Bible study. Romans chapter 1, and uh, many of us know the portion of Scripture that we're going to go to, Romans chapter 1. Paul, of course, writing to the believers at Rome, I, I believe, to a number of house churches that you could go to Romans chapter 16 and find. But Romans chapter 1, uh, rem, rem, remember, Paul has never been to Rome. He's never traveled there. He's wanted to, but uh, the, what he says is that the Spirit had hindered him, that he wanted to go there, but, but God had said, no, it's not the right timing. And so instead, Paul writes to them. And I want you to notice what Paul says in verse number, uh, verse number 13. Let's go to verse number 13. Paul said this, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, or I was hindered. And the reason I wanted to come to you is that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. And notice verse 14. Paul says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, 
both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Verse 14, Paul uses a phrase that's kind of interesting when he says, I am a debtor. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Paul is simply saying, I'm a debtor to people that I've never met. I'm a debtor to the Gentiles and the, the barbarians. I'm a debtor to people that I've, I've never even been around. And as much as in me is, I'm ready to come to Rome and I'm ready to preach the gospel. Now, here's the question I have. Why would Paul, why would Paul say, He's in debt to people that he's never met. Well, if you go and you just dig into the context, Paul's not saying, hey, I, I owe you a bunch of things because you gave me money, or I owe you a bunch of things because you gave to me. No, all of this is based upon what Paul had in his relationship with God. I've used the illustration before, but... If I say uh, to Leo, hey, Leo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my phone, but my phone is not just for you. It's also for Jim. Okay, so Leo, I'm going to give you my phone, but my phone is not just for you. It's also for Jim. Now, Jim didn't, Jim didn't do anything for Leo to owe him, but because of what I give to Leo, Leo now owes Jim based upon what I gave to Leo. Does that make sense? So here's what God did. God came to you and I, and we, we have salvation based upon our free will of us choosing to receive Christ. And so God says, hey, I've given this to you, but this isn't just for you. It's also for Jim. It's also for Hannah. It's also for, and this is what Paul is saying. Hey, I'm in debt, to, even though I've never met to you, even though I've never met you, I'm a debtor to you, not based upon what you've done for me, but based upon solely what God has done for me. You say, Pastor, why do you bring up Romans and Paul with the churches there uh, after reading 2 Timothy? It's because I want us to understand the concept that Paul understood. Paul understood this concept. My Christianity is not just for me. My relationship with God is not about my relationship with God. And Paul got it. And I think that's one of the reasons that here we are today, 2,000 years later, reading the letters that Paul wrote to believers, and, and we are beneficiaries of Paul's investment into other people. And so tonight, with, with the mindset that we know we should be investing into other people, we know that Paul understood it, and we probably understand it, I want to talk, talk with us about it tonight. There's two ways that you and I should invest in people. Our relation, there's two ways that we should invest Christ, our relationship with Christ, into others. Number one, this isn't on the handout, but number one, we need to invest in people the actual truth of salvation. We all know that. that I believe that's a specific context and the specific interpretation of Romans 1. Paul saying, everybody needs Christ. I have him, and so I owe it to the people around me to speak Jesus to them. That's every one of us. All of us right now can think of people, whether it's coworkers or neighbors or lost family members or a, a distant aunt and uncle, a cousin, I mean, strangers. We all know people that don't know Christ. And the fact of the matter is, if you have trusted Christ as Savior, you and I have a debt to them. Well, what's our debt? They didn't do anything for us. Our debt is because the Lord says, hey, I didn't come just to seek and to save you. I came to seek and to save all the lost. 
So you and I, we should have the, the uh, desire to invest Jesus into people to see them saved. But investing in others doesn't stop there. Our investment into others should be, it should be the idea that regardless of where you're at on your Christian walk, I want to somehow encourage you in your Christian walk. It should be from a pastor to the church family, but it should also be from a church family to the pastor. It should be from a church, uh, someone who's been saved for 50 years to someone who's been saved for two years, but then it should also, there should be a desire from someone who's been saved for two years to invest in somebody who's been saved for 50 years. You say, well, uh, how, how could we do that? I don't, I don't, I've only been saved five months. I've only been saved a year. I don't know how to invest Jesus into somebody around me. But the fact of the matter is that the Holy Spirit within us gives us a special enablement and an empowerment from him to invest in other people. And so tonight I wanna look at that. I don't wanna look specifically at the first area of investment, investing salvation into other people. We're gonna preach an entire uh, few weeks on that in the month of August as we lead up to our community Sunday about telling people about Christ. Tonight I wanna look at the idea of taking your relationship, your relationship with the Lord and helping other Christians, helping other people grow in the Lord. The reason this has been on my mind, uh, it's been on my mind for a few months now, is I don't know if you've noticed, I look around on a, on a Thursday night, I get, you know, we probably have the, the core of the church on a Thursday night. But if you look around on a Sunday, this last Sunday, I don't, don't talk about numbers very much, okay, but we're going to tonight. This last Sunday, we had 108 people in the auditorium alone. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but that's a lot of people in this room. At 108, 110, something like that in here, we had another, another, 40, another uh, um, 55, 45 or 50 in kids' ministries. We had almost 160 on Sunday. What a blessing that is. But this last Sunday, if you were here and you looked around, if you've been here, if you've been at Moses Lake Baptist Church for more than a year, for more than one year. This last Sunday, probably 45% of the 108 people that were in the auditorium are brand new within the last nine months. That's crazy to me. And then we had an additional, you know, I don't know how many, but an additional number of people online watching via live stream. And here's the point I want to make with this. If we're not careful, every Christian, if we're not careful, we will live our Christianity as if we're on an island. And the island is us, those closest to us, and no one else. And what I looked out, what I saw on Sunday, and what I, what I felt with people leaving and talking to me on Sunday, and many of them, I mean, some of them you've invited, and they're people that you're bringing to church that have come because of, of maybe you bringing them. But on Sunday, you know what I thought? It was the same thing I've thought for about six months was, man, God, help us to steward this. We're seeing a lot of people trust Christ. We're seeing growth. We're seeing what God can do. God, help us to steward it. And so tonight, really, if I can, if I can just kind of be um, transparent with you, 
Tonight's really me as a pastor wanting to help us as a church steward the influence that God is allowing us to have within our community. Does that make sense? And so I want to give you just a few thoughts tonight about investing in other people. What I want to look at first is three reasons, three reasons that we should invest, that we should want to invest, and this will be our main three thoughts for tonight. The first thing I want to give you, the reason we should invest, number one, is that investment, investing Christ into others, investment matters. The investment that you and I make into other people, it matters. And when I talk tonight about investing in others, I'm not just talking about investing in new Christians. I'm not just talking about investing in new people that come to our church. I'm talking about people who are here investing in other people who are here and and us as as adults investing in teens and investing in kids. And you see how many kids and teens left tonight. Uh, Man, I'd be interested in knowing how many are down there. But every week, I mean, there's more first-timers tonight. There was first-timers last Thursday and and the Thursday before that. And the thought I want to get is our investment should not just be, uh, it, it, it shouldn't be, um, one, one group of people as a Christian. Our investment shouldn't be, well, I'm going to invest only in those younger than me. I'm going to invest only in the new people. I'm going to only, no, I should have a desire that says, God, allow your relationship with me to flow through me into anybody that you would have me impact. And so why should we invest? Number one, our investment matters. The fact of the matter is that you and I, we never know the impact that we could have by simply investing into people, by just loving them to the Lord, by speaking words of encouragement, by taking somebody out for coffee, by asking, listen, by simply asking somebody to sit by you in church. You never know the impact that'll make. All of us have been new somewhere, haven't we? Every one of us have been new somewhere. No one likes being the new person. No one likes it. You know, you know what a new per, every new person needs? Every new person needs a regular person to not see the new person as a new person. Does that make sense? Every, every, and I'm talking about church specifically. Every person who's new to Moses Lake Baptist Church, they need, they need a regular person not to walk up to and be like, hey, is this your first time? They, yes, it probably is. You know what you can do? Hey, I haven't met you yet. Hey, I haven't met you yet. My name's Dennis. What's your name? Oh, my name's, you know, Fred. Hi, Fred. I'm, man, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Hey, do you have somewhere to sit yet? Man, Fred, I'd love for you and your family. Why don't you guys come sit with me? You know what? Fred, Fred doesn't know that, that we're talking about this tonight and he's coming Sunday. But the impact that you and I could make by just simply investing our Christianity into him by, by being kind to him. I mean, that's investing, investing what God's given me, God's kindness toward me, towards me. I'm investing it into somebody else. That matters. It makes a difference. But beyond that, beyond maybe greeting somebody, I want us just real quick, you have it there on your handout, and this is where I want some feedback. I want you to think with me right now of some, some people in Scripture who invested in somebody else in scripture. Okay, so think right now, Bible story, go all the way back to Genesis. Let's go from Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation. Just think of people in scripture that invested in somebody else in scripture. Mike? 
Okay, Jesus Christ investing into the woman at the well. Did that investment matter? Uh, yeah, it did. Somebody else. You got another one? All right, Asa encouraging the people of Judah and Benjamin. All right, that's a good one. Somebody else? Christy. Okay, Philip investing in the Ethiopian eunuch. Or Sam, or, uh, Micah, whoever you are back there. Okay, Priscilla. Didn't you just preach on that? That's not fair. Micah's going to bring Acts 18 to a message tonight. Uh, no, Priscilla and Aquila, we talked about that even on Sunday here, uh, investing into Apollos. And then what did Apollos do? He went back to Corinth and invested in the believers at Corinth. And then what did he do? He went to Ephesus and invested in the believers in Ephesus. So it matters. Uh, somebody else, you have another one? How about these? I wrote down some. How about Moses into Joshua? How about Eli into Samuel? How about Samuel into David? David into Solomon? Solomon into Rehoboam. Second Chronicles 24, Jehoiada into Joash. New Testament, Barnabas into Paul. Paul into Timothy. Paul into Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla into Apollos. Jesus into the apostles. I mean, listen, really, if we sat down to think about it, we could just come up with example after example after example after example of somebody investing their relationship with God into another person. Here's the thought that our investment, it matters. But if we're not careful, we all too often as Christians, we become solely focused upon our own relationship with the Lord. We become consumed with our own growth and we become, uh, I read it this way months ago, we become consumed with our own Christian experience that we forget about the Christian experience of those around us. How many of you have met somebody who it almost seems like they dread being a Christian? <laughs> We've all met people like that. I've, I've knocked doors where people are like, yeah, no, I'm saved, but that stuff's just not for me. And I just, pfft. you know what? I want to figure out, God, how can I impact them so that they see my Christianity and say, what do you have that I don't? While we are responsible for our growth and for our own growth in the Lord, we still are responsible for the growth of others and our investment of the Lord into other people, it truly matters. I read a quote, it's out there on your handout. It's this, that the quote says, may our heartfelt words and kind actions be sweet to the soul and health to the bones of those whom we seek to influence. We're all going to have influence. And we need to realize that that influence, that investment, it matters. And so I should say, God, use it to be sweet to the soul and health to the bones. God, help me to see that it matters. One man said it this way, that your, inv your investment lasts longer as you continue on with integrity and sincerity. The thought I want to bring with that is if I'm not, if I'm not living as a Christian, if my life doesn't match what I'm speaking, there's probably not going to be a lasting impact. But our investment, because it matters, because it matters, that should affect how I not only live, but also how I desire to pour into others. Number one, our investment matters. Number two, notice with me tonight, that our investment, our investment takes work. You know, one of the reasons that we don't invest in other people is because it's hard. <laughs> if we're honest, we don't like to put the work in. But if we're going to follow scripture, 
if we're going to follow the instruction of the Lord, then we can't, we can't be lazy. One author said it this way, that it's been said that an excuse is nothing more than a lie wrapped in, this, in, a, in the skin of a reason. You know what we like to give? Excuses. Why don't you think with me real quick, and we are going to do this at, at the end, but I'm going to do it right now. Think with me real quick. What are some reasons that we don't invest in people around us? Invest our Christianity in others. Dale? Okay, big one. I, I, you know, oh man, I do that, but I just don't have enough time. What's another one? Yes, ma'am. Okay, afraid about their response. Are they going to reject it? Are they going to accept it? Yep, that's a good one. Somebody else. What's another reason? Yes, sir. Speak up. Okay, that's a big one, and I have it written down on my handout. Well, I, you know, I, I just don't have much to offer. I mean, what, what am I going, you know, I mean, here you have some, Pastor, Brother Jim's been saved. He, he's been saved for this long. How could I ever be an encouragement to Jim Kimball? I mean, he's been saved for, how long have I been saved, Jim? 50 plus years. How, how could I, who's been saved for a year, two years, how could I ever, and we feel like we're, we're incapable, incapable of it. What's another reason? Leo? Okay, yeah, that response there, well, they're, they're not going to listen. And we've all been there, haven't we? You know, if we think about it, we could probably come up with excuse after excuse after excuse, but at the bottom, of the, at the, at the bottom uh, row of this is just the thought that it takes work. It just takes work. You know what? You and I need to understand that we can make excuses or we can step up and say, God, show me opportunities and help me see how I can fulfill this. It takes work to invest in, in your family. It takes work to invest in, I'm thinking about the kids. Listen, the kids and teens of our church, I, I, don't, uh, I wouldn't try to embarrass anybody or anything, but most, most of the young people that come to our church on Thursday nights, uh, they come from uh, absolutely wrecked home life. Absolutely wrecked home life. And, and some of us as adults, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, why can't these teens just be quiet when we're singing? Why can't they just do that when? And the truth of the matter is, you know what they need? They just need to see an adult singing and loving the Lord and standing beside them and singing with them and cutting up with them and just understanding like, hey, this is, it's a joy to be a Christian. It's not come and we have to be this you know, perfect form and I have to sing and, and, and do this and that and, and fulfill a, a list of expectations. No, the Christian life is a joy, but that takes work because now I have to put forethought into how am I going to respond to people who aren't acting the way I think they should act and how am I going to respond to people who maybe don't look the way I think they should look or smell the way I think they should smell. I mean, listen, you think about it with these teenagers and these young people that come to our our church, you know what they need? They need somebody who's willing to work at investing in them. It takes work. It takes work to invest in somebody who's new. It takes work to invest in kids and teenagers. It takes work to invest in, the, in them going to camp. And it takes work with investing financially so that teens and young people can go to camp. And I'm not trying to just talk about that, even though we mentioned it, mentioned it earlier. But part of our investment is saying, God, I realize that you've blessed and maybe I can only give $10, but I'm going to give. Why? Because I see that my investment matters and it's going to take a little bit of work. Think about investing in people who are new to church. 
It takes work to step out of our comfort zone and introduce ourselves to somebody who's a stranger, somebody we don't know. And I've, I hear this often. Well, pastor, it's easy for you. You're outgoing. Pastor, it's easy. My dad, my dad and I have the same temperament a little bit and just not knowing a stranger. Pastor, it's easy for you. Can I just, again, be very honest with you? There's some Sundays I don't wanna talk to anybody. You say, seriously? Yeah. There's some Sundays I wake up and I'm like, can I stay home from church today? I, I, I just don't wanna, I don't wanna deal with it. I don't wanna talk to people. I don't wanna, for every one of us, whether you're an outgoing person, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whether you know thousands of people or know 10 people, whoever you are, if you're gonna invest in people, it's just gonna take work. I think when Paul wrote to Timothy, he understood, hey, Paul, I'm encouraging you, what you've given, give to faithful others. I mean, he's talking about true discipleship and mentoring people for the work of the ministry, but I believe there's a great application for us to understand that my investment in people, number one, it matters. Number two, it takes work. But notice number three. Number three tonight, and lastly, is this, that our investment has motive. Our investment has motive or has a motivation. I never noticed this until I was studying for this message and I saw it in, um, in, a, in one of the books I was reading in preparation for this. But Solomon was not shy in telling his son why he was writing the Proverbs, right? Solomon wrote Proverbs for Rehoboam and Solomon was trying to invest his wisdom into Rehoboam. Listen to what Solomon says to Rehoboam in Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, 17 through 21. You can turn there if you want. Proverbs 22, 17 through 21. He says this, bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee, they shall withal be fitted in thy lips that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I may make thee know the certainty of the words of truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Verse 19 specifically, he says, I have made known to thee this day, even to thee, have not, or um, he says that, verse number 19, that thy trust, excuse me, that thy trust may be in the Lord. You know why Solomon wrote to Rehoboam everything he did? is he wanted his son to just understand, I can trust God. I can trust God. I bring that up to point out the fact that our motive for investing in others, it should be our relationship with God, but also their relationship with God. I should want people to understand, I trust God and I want you to trust God too. I trust God and I want you to trust God. I love God and I want you to love God. And our investment, it should have a motive. When I brought up motivations earlier in, in, uh, right after the first song, we should understand that eternity is right around the corner. And, and you and I, we can be motivated to do some things. And there's a lot of wrong motivations to live out our Christian life. There's, there's a lot of wrong motivations. And it's easy to fall into serving and investing and giving and doing because of wrong motivations. What are some wrong motivations? Guilt is a wrong motivation. Well, I feel guilty if I don't. Wrong motivation. 
Can I tell you, listen, debt to the Lord is a wrong motivation. Well, I just owe him so much. I I owe God so much. Listen, the debt that we have to the Lord is a debt that we will never, ever be able to pay. And here's the great thing. God said we didn't have to pay it. And yet you have a lot of Christians serving and doing and giving and going because they're like, well, I just owe it to the Lord. And I understand a lot of that can be uh, just semantics and the way things are worded. But the fact of the matter is that if, I, if I'm living out my Christian life because I'm fearful because of guilt or because I think I owe it to the Lord, that's wrong motivation. A third motivation I just said was fear. A lot of Christians serve and go and give and do because of fear. Well, if I don't, I'm afraid of what God might do to me. And so we serve our life out of fear. A lot of believers, it's show. Pharisaical Christianity, show. I serve, I give, I do, I dress, I, I, I sing this type of song. I do these things for show. It's for people. It's because I'm the, I want the approval of others. But the only lasting motivation for following the Lord The only lasting motivation and the only one that truly brings peace and rest and encouragement and ministers to the heart is when I do things simply because I love God, just because I love him. And so what should my motive be for investing into other people? My love for God. Our theme last year to be consumed, Ridgepoint's theme this year, loving God and loving people. And that's, that's a great motivator. You know, Hannah and I, we said I do 17 years ago. 17 years ago. And, and you know what? I, I want her, I want Hannah, my wife, not to go around holding another man's hand. I don't want her to do that. And if, if, if she did, I'd, I'd probably be pretty ticked off. I'd I'd probably be pretty upset. But I don't want her to not go around holding another man's hand simply because I would be upset if she did. No, I want her to not hold another man's hand because she loves me. Oh, she said some vows years ago, and I want her to not hold another man's hand, not because she said vows. I don't want the vows to be the reason that she doesn't hold another man's hand. I, I want it to be because... She loves me and vice versa. She wants the same thing. She wants me to give to her. Well, she doesn't want me to give to her because if I, if I don't, she's gonna be really upset that I didn't give her something for her birthday or anniversary or whatever the case may be or just because. No, she wants me to give to her because I love her. You see, in every relationship, in every relationship, whether it's a parent to a child, a husband to a wife, a family to extended family, grandparents, or whatever the case might be, friendship, you, you and I, we don't like when people have what we call ulterior motives. When they have something that, you know, they're trying to do, they have an ulterior motive, But you know, the fact of the matter is we also don't like when people are kind to us or investing in us simply because 
they have to. It's like the coworker that, you know, at work, they're nice to you only because you're a coworker, but you see them outside of work and they're like an absolute jerk. You know what? In the Christian life, investing into other people shouldn't happen, well, because pastor told me to, I better ask somebody to sit with me Sunday. No, no, no. It, it should happen because I'm loved by God and my motive is I love God. And because of loving God, I want to love people like God loves people. And I want to be kind to people like he's kind to people. And so I want to invite someone to sit with me because that's what Jesus would do. Because that's what God would do. I want, to, I want to be an encouragement to these teenagers and these kids. And I want to be an encouragement, even though I've only been saved for two years and Jim's been saved for 55 years, I want to be an encouragement to him. How can I do that? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, probably not going to teach him a Bible lesson, but you know what I probably could do? I could just say, hey, Jim, I prayed for you this week. Hey, how's your week been? Hey, what can I pray for this coming week? Hey, Dustin, how's work going? Hey, Christy, how's the family doing? What am I doing? Simple conversations, simple encouragement. You know what I'm saying? My investment matters. I know it's gonna take work, but the motivation is because I just simply love the Lord. When we do things with the wrong motive, Solomon said it in Ecclesiastes, and you have the reference. When we do things with the wrong motive and the wrong goal, it all leads to naught. And you know what Solomon said? It's all vanity. Hey, when you pursue riches in this life and you pursue your goals in this life and you're not looking into eternity, it's vanity. You have the passage there, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. We know the passage where it's lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doesn't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that is a financial lesson in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. But the principle is there of uh, Colossians um, uh, uh, Colossians chapter number three. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above investment should have the motive that says, I realize my love for God should have priority in my heart, but I also recognize that eternity is right around the corner. And you never know. You never know the investment that you can make into somebody and the impact that it would have. So our investment matters. Our investment takes work. And our investment, it should have that motive, a motive of love, for God, a motive for love for other people, and the motive of I know eternity is right around the corner. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.